Welcome back to The Right Angle. We've got a special show today. We've got a guest. We've done this a few times in the past where we just talked to an interesting person out there in the world, and uh, G-Man has got the week off. So let's just get right to it. We have got, not in the studio, but on his end of the microphone, RJ. RJ, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? How's it going? It's been a good day. It's been a busy day. It's funny that Saturdays, you, we don't go into work, but they don't feel any more relaxing, really, than at they least don't. for me, than any other day of the week. Absolutely not. It's, I include it in the work week, you know. Sometimes <laughs> it's even like I'm working on Saturday, so yeah. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, I mean, start wherever you want chronologically, and we'll take it from there. Sounds good. Um, well, I was born in Lansing, Michigan, uh, 1984, uh, Sparrow Hospital. Um, started here, lived here all my life on the north side of Lansing. Um, went to uh, Northwestern Middle School, the Otto, uh, I'm sorry, Northwestern Elementary, the okay. Otto Middle School. And uh, then finally to Sexton High School, go Big Reds. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, they're not called that no more, but that's a whole nother issue. Oh, really? <laughs> but, when did they change? I, did, I don't know that I knew yeah, they changed. Yeah, uh, they changed their uh, mascot name, I want to say, two years ago. Okay. Um, it's the Bulldogs now, if I'm correct. Sexton Bulldogs. Was that, Sext a, was that like a politically incorrect, <clears throat> the Big Red, or what? Yeah, yeah, I believe some of the tribes um, here in Michigan um, – now, I'm not full on the story, but from what I've read and heard, um, that the Native American tribes here got together and with the city and um, changed some of the names of the schools, and they agreed with it and helped fund with the changing and the jerseys oh, and everything right. else. So some of the casinos and everything, they all got together. Huh. And yeah, so I don't know if it was because um, – the Native American tribes themselves wanted it changed or yeah. if it was something kind of a mutual. Um, right. Yeah. You know. I saw, have you seen, uh, you know, the Washington formerly Redskins now the mm -hmm. commanders, there's some, some tribal leader guy who is his petitioning to change him back to the Redskins. Uh, oh. because you know, he, he says, why did you change it? Kind of the same thing that you said, who was it really behind the, yes. the change? Correct. Correct. You huh. know, I, I, yeah, I, I, that's that's interesting, actually. Um, I would like to hear more opinions about that um, within the tribes, you know, for sure, um, because like the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, um, I was watching the game the other day, the Detroit game, and uh, they were doing the old chant, you know, the, yeah. the old Native American chant, you know, so <laughs> I, it's got to be, you know, there's got to be some type of uh, group that's OK with it. You know, um, it's been that way from the beginning, you know, and. You know, so that, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, it is. So, so what came after high school for you? So, um, after high school, I, uh, I had my son, um, actually, uh, my first child, um, about six months after graduating. So, um, I went to LCC for a year and, um, it just wasn't working out with work and, and, and trying to juggle all those things at one time. So I, uh, dropped out of ice, um, college for a little while and just worked full time and um got into some interesting things along the road and uh yeah I did that for a long time until um tragedy struck and um things made you know uh big right turns in my life and uh 
Then I went back to college. Uh, okay. Did study four years. Uh, LCC two, then for, uh, two at Michigan State, um, and went under a, a language arts degree. Uh, focused on Spanish and uh, went a sociology major or huh. minor. And uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was something that uh, I was really into uh, um, cultures and languages at the time. And uh, so I figured I'd start focusing on one language. I wanted to be a linguist for a minute. Um, so I started doing Spanish and I was going to focus on another language, which I mastered that. But then, um, during Spanish, I got really close with a professor and, uh, he introduced me to this, uh, program, um, in Costa Rica. And, uh, so then I went down there, uh, stayed there for about nine months and, uh, studied under him and, um, worked down there at a disabled school, uh, for children. Okay. And um, from that, I ended up starting working with kids, you know. So it was like all these different things along the way that just kept changing, my, you know, my path of life. And uh, started working with these disabled kids. And then slowly but surely, I came back to Michigan. Um, and then uh, a friend of mine worked uh, with the probation uh, court here in Lansing, in the Ingham County Court. And so, therefore, he offered me, he knew a position at Peckham. I'm working on the youth services, and uh, I applied, and that's where I am today. Wow. So about when did you – so you went to LCC, didn't work out, and then you mentioned tragedy struck, which we don't have to talk about unless you want to. And then after that – so how long were you in the workforce before you went back to to school? Um. So I've worked since I was 15 years old. Wow. Um, almost every year I had a job. I've it was almost I've never not had a job, um, since I was 15. And then um, but I uh also um I sold drugs in the streets uh for a little while. Um, Yikes! All right. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I got connected with a couple of people growing up. Um, and it's just people I've been with along the way. And uh, so. Um, after high school and working and raising, helping to raise a child, you know, um, the money I needed, you know, and, yeah. and I try, you know, I try to find the quickest ways to make it and many ways to make it while working. Um, but, you know, at the time, just like now, um, the economy wasn't great. So the money that you were making wasn't really paying the bills and the things that you need. So um, I started selling drugs for a little while. And um, so while going to LCC, I uh, chose to focus more on that, making the money and taking care of my son. And uh, about 2007, I was shot. Um, and and I, I, don't, I don't know if that was because of it, but I feel like that might have had played into it. But I was shot, and uh, and it caused me to be paralyzed from the waist down. And oh, man. After that, you know, it, it changed a lot of aspects of how I wanted to live my life and, you know, what I wanted to do. And right. so I chose to go back to school after that. Um, okay. And allowed me to be able to focus on something and uh, going to school. That's actually how I got back and going to LCC for the two years and then graduating um, and going to Michigan State. The word isn't funny at all, but it's interesting how events like that turn lives around. I mean, in, your case, in your case for the better and I mean, do you ever play the what if games that what if this, what if that, either in <laughs> relation to the shooting or in, you know, anything you know, along the way? 
I, 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 I try not to, you know, but at the end of the day, every choice, everything, every day, everything you do in your life is a choice. And that <laughs> yeah. choice is going to lead to another choice. And that choice is, and those, they build into a, a road, you know, and that road leads the path and whatever path that's on, there's more likely things to happen, you know, right. and on that road, you know, and therefore the the road and the choices that, that I made and the road that I build led me down into an area where it's likely those things can happen and therefore it did. And so um, I can say that it was because of that, um, but I can't fully say that either. You know, it could have been a different choice, but you know, the likelihood is, is much more. I think the percentage is higher because I was actually, you know, doing those things. So how did you come to be interested in languages? High school, actually. Um, I was, a. Uh, it was an elective I had to take. <laughs> actually, you know what? It, it was high school, but it, yeah, it was elective. I had, it was a girl, really. <laughs> it was a girl <clears throat> uh, freshman year. Um, I had to take an elective, and uh, so I chose to take Spanish. And uh, there was a girl in there that just caught my eye freshman year. And uh, I had a friend in that class with me, and I told him before I leave that school, <laughs> me and that girl, I'm going I'm to get that girl, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so I took Spanish every year because um, she took it as well. <laughs> right. And uh, But I um, enjoyed the class, you know, also. Um, I enjoyed the aspect of language and how it developed and how it changed over the years and just the, the communication fact of it, you know, and how important it is. So, um, so did, I, how, how early on did she realize that's why you took the class or when did you tell her? About senior year when after I finally oh, really? got her. Yeah. <laughs> after we got together senior year. Yeah. I actually, I told her, I was like, you know, I took this class cause of you, you know, and, 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 and then, you know, it was also a teacher, too, um, because of taking a class for the girl uh, my junior year. There was a teacher I had, Miss Centeno. I don't know if you're out there with Centeno, but thank you so much, man. I love you. I miss you. She was a great woman. Um, and uh, she uh, she really introduced, made me fall in love with the Spanish language and, and just languages in, in general. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you went back to... so. After four years, I took four years of German, and I could, mm. you know, I could understand more than I could speak, and I didn't really yeah. pursue it for any reason other than, I guess, because my family was way back when from Germany. But did you oh, keep wow. up with? Did you keep up with Spanish? And I, I mean, did. You... I did, and I can speak uh, semi-fluently now. Um, okay. I need to practice more, you know, to get a little bit more fluent in it. But uh, yeah, I can still understand a lot of it and uh, and speak some of it. Yeah. Nice. So do you mm -hmm. use that much in your day-to-day -day work? I mean... Uh, I wouldn't say regularly, but yeah, at times, yeah. I definitely do help people out. Uh, or I might even communicate with some coworkers um, there because of the demographics that we work with. We have a high um, Spanish language um, um, culture and population there. So um, a couple of people I know I speak Spanish with there, yeah. Got it. And obviously Costa Rica, they speak Spanish... <clears throat> Yes, they do. Yep. So yep. when it's, you were down there, was it like an immersive thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Uh, it was a. Uh, oh, I can't even remember the actual uh, major. It was for, but it wasn't for the major I was in. Okay. Um, I just actually happened to bond with this professor, and he he happened to to take a shine to me too, and uh, we uh, 
he offered me the, the opportunity to go down there. Um, but it was a it was a program sustainability. That's what it was sustainability. Excuse me. And uh, so I go down there and lived with a, a a family and stayed with them. And then I actually get a job down there working and to help, you know, with a problem or a solution and try to help with yeah a solution down there. Gotcha. And so, and you were down there for nine months, and then yes. worked your way back up here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, by that time, you're I'm trying to you're what late twenties? Oh, no, no. Mid twenties? Yeah. I uh, thirty maybe. Yeah, late twenties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just about so, right. yeah. and you pretty much knew this is what I this is kind of the field that I want, or how much would you consider what you do now different from what you did then? Actually, what I was doing, what do you mean then? Uh, at the time, I was down in Costa Rica, or it's actually kind of similar. Um, I work with kids still at, at the moment. Um, I don't want they were not focused on disabilities because I work with um, their, you know, on, in a court system. So they deal with probation and other issues. But a lot of people, a lot of the issues that these kids deal with, some are mental. Um, and it's just being able to, to identify and understand another person's situation and try to help build a better path for them to go down on, you know, um, either, whether it was kids growing, learning how to live with disabilities or kids right now in the system that's dealing with, you know, past criminal problems and trying to figure out their lives. When you work with, I guess, turn to the work you do now, mm -hmm. um, just kind of a brief overview so people can kind of get an appreciation for, what your job entails. So I work with uh, kids uh, on probation in the Lansing or Ingham County court system. Um, they go to a school called Ingham Academy. It's an alternative school, alternative education. Um, and so what we do is we take a group of kids from that school and um, we bring them over to Peckham and we teach them vocational skills, life skills. Um, we give them the opportunity to work and learn job skills, social skills. Um, and try to help build a, a more positive character, give them more positive supports and resources that they can to flourish and try to become a more positive human being. A lot of these kids come from very negative situations, you know, um, and some have, some don't, not all, but still, um, there's one thing or another that has led them down the path that they're on and it's caused them to get in a little bit of trouble. So we're trying to take that path and try to you know um turn it into a positive and and show right. them other 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 ways because a lot of times these kids you know even myself growing up you don't um you you go about what you see you know mm -hmm. and there's so much negativity and so much is being thrown at these kids now with social media and and life in general and uh it's hard to kind of figure out what you want to be and what you want to do and which is the right way to go so um, the more positive things that are put in front of you, uh, I think the likelihood that you're going to do better is, is higher. Right. And so when the, the kids that are at this Ingham Academy, are they just told this is what you're going to do? Do they have any choice in the matter? Is it sort of part of their probation or part of their program? Um, no. Um, it, it's uh, They can choose to do it. Most of them do choose to do it. Some of them um, are put in there because um, they're about to age out of the uh, school because they're not graduating um, oh, through okay. the points or credits or whatever. So because they're getting older, about to be 18, 
they still want them to be able to understand and learn how to work and uh, build a resume and, you know, be able to still become part of the society, even if right. they're not going to graduate. And then we can put them in a GED program through our program. So they still have the possibilities of earning those credentials and getting those skills. So, um, yeah. but most of the kids choose because uh, we try to get them when they're 16. Okay. So I would say a large handful of not, of not, of all of them choose to um, come in. Right. In, into the so yeah. as they come in, gosh, so many interesting questions. If it's possible, and maybe it's not possible, when you talk about the backgrounds that have sort of led them to the position where they are, if you had to pick the top three, not necessarily in order, but like the commonalities that you see, what do you see in those kids? Well, most of them, single homes, uh, unfortunately. Um, okay. A lot of them come from single homes. Um, um, commonalities, there's so many different groups. Um, <laughs> a lot of them single mothers. Um, also, um, incarceration, you know, in their family, mm. in their household. Um, oh, some of them right. they know are close to have been incarcerated. A lot of um, those are similarities. And um, drug use. And drug use. Yeah. This is probably a, an elementary question, and I don't know if it applied to you growing up or certainly to these kids, but and maybe it's just common sense. The closer you are to something like someone who's been incarcerated or someone who's taken drugs or involved in some way, probably, I guess you could say, the, the slipperier the slope is to get involved with something like that because it doesn't seem so far away. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's the risk factors, you know, again, um, I think it's just the, the it's natural in life. You know, the more you're around, whatever environment you're around, you associate yourself with, the more likely and more attracted you are to those things. Um, so if you you don't have the resources and you're you're around people who do crimes and, and you see those in your adult figures, the people you look up to, you see them scheming and try to get around and get away and um you're more likely to do those same things. You know, you're like, yeah. Hey, you know, this is, I see them doing this. It's not that it's okay, but right. it's making things work for them. They're able to pay their bills. They're able to sustain. So I guess we're going to do it too. Huh? You know, so it's, it is, I mean, it's always a risk reward, even when you're 14, 15, 16, do you think they think much about the repercussions? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in, we all do. We all think about the repercussions. It's just about, you know, the situation you're in at the moment, you know, and, and you weigh out those options, you know, which is more important at the moment, you know. Um, am I worried about going to court and jail, f you know, for a couple of years right now? Or am I worried about being able to keep the lights on for my kids yeah, and, yeah. And, and put some food on the table, you know? So, um, so I, I think that they, but as a teen, you're not really thinking about those things. I and mean, some are, you know, some do have to, take care of their families and yeah. and are the males of the household, the father or the mothers of the household, you know, raising their siblings and feeding their siblings and, and, and such. So, um, it's a, it's a heavy burden to weigh, especially for a child, you know? Yeah. Um, these are things that they, sh they should not have to worry about, you know? Um, I feel like. I and so once they get into the program, you're kind of, I mean, do you, probably have to look at each individual and kind of get a debriefing or a whatever to see 
what does this person need that we can help them with? Absolutely. Yeah, we have to, you know, we get, uh, you know, documents and we talk to the probation officers and we, you know, they do an interview with the kid before they come to, to see if they're, you know, they're a fit for the program. And, um, and when we get them, we all see and try to look at what resources they need um, so that we can try to help provide those things. You know, a lot of them don't have birth certificates and access to them and, wow. you know, IDs and, and things like that. So we help them, you know, get the basic things that they need to even live a life, you know. Um, yeah. And not to say that the parents are doing these things, too, because there's some great parents that I've met trying to raise these children, too, that are doing the best they can with what they got, you know. Yeah. Um, so um, it's not that they're not just these kids are coming from, you know, nothing. Um, but, however, they don't have a lot of the things or access to the things that they need so that they can grow on and become adults themselves. You know, so we try to give them access and, and give those resources. So we do do some sort of a brief debriefing or, you know, just try to understand what they need so we can kind of get that in line for them while they're in the program. So uh, mm-hmm. would you say... How much do their state of minds vary after they they find out about it? Maybe they've heard a little bit about it, but once they're actually in it for a week or two, mm-hmm. are they? Does it range from total skepticism to what am you know what am I doing here? Or this seems too good to be true? Or what's kind of the range of emotions that you see? Um, most of them enjoy it. You know, it's a job. You know, they hear, you know, they hear they get money, they can get paid, they get credit while they're doing it. So a lot of them come into it. Is this like a job? You know, so they are they're ready to work. They're ready to, you know, do what try to do what everybody else is doing. Go with the flow of everything else. Um, And then they start to see the other incentives that they can get. You know, we take them on field trips and um, and do all the activities with them and, and job tours and and just try to bring this other element of life to these in, in, you know, in front of them so they can enjoy it and understand it and see it. And, um, so I would say 90% of them and yeah, they all really love it. Um, but I'm sure they have some skepticism. I mean, they're meeting new people in new environments. So, um, some are passive, some are shy, you know, but once they start to see things and how things move, they usually fall in pretty so, and they can be in the program, what's kind of the range of months or years that they're in it? They can be in the program from, my specific program, three years, maybe four, three years, I would say, six, 16 to 19. Um, and then we have an, another addition to our program. Um, that's just, I guess, an, another one called CA Plus. It's a add-on to the program for those who are older um, that's still could use the resources in order to uh, sustain a life, you know, maybe need a GED or uh, wants to do a trade or something like that. They can still be a part of somewhat of our program. And uh, yeah, gain those resources. so I would say anywhere from three to five years. And do you notice if, if someone comes in as a 16 year old, newly 16 versus someone who comes in as a 19 or 20 year old, if they come in that late, Mm-hmm. Can you generalize and say kind of, I mean, is it easy to tell the two apart, obviously physically, but just sort of where they are emotionally, psychologically, how serious they take it, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just that those few years, a 21-year-old to a 16-year-old, the mentality is a little bit sharper. You understand things a little bit more. Um, so 
but I had some really intelligent 16 year olds too that are that got ripped the program pretty quick and and did really well you know so um but yeah the the mature factor is 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 really stands out between the two you know they they're 16 year old you're still in school you're still in high school you so you still kind of have the flow of high school when you come over and you know you're still kind of wild and and I, I don't want to say wild but you know what I mean a kid you know you're still a 16 year old you know 21 year olds usually are kind of like okay what do I got to do and they're either with it or not you know they either continue because they're on their own time they can come when they want they can leave when they want they can so if they want to really those that really want to do it show up they make the effort they make the time so you see that the difference between yeah the two for sure right so when people leave whether they get a ged or i mean for whatever reason when they're sort of done do Mm -hmm. you uh is it like see you later um keep in touch does it range and i imagine along with that question just knowing you've worked with the person for two or three years or whatever, Mm -hmm. is it weird just suddenly saying, Hey, I wonder what happened to old so-and-so. Yeah, it is. It really is. You know, you, you really bond with these kids and I've only been there four years and within the four years I've had what three groups I want to say. And each kid you still remember, you still think about occasionally, you know, um, some of them you still are in contact with, um, I, I, you see him on Facebook, you know, or you might see him around town and some even come back and say hi. Um, oh, neat. Yeah. Or some have babies, bring their babies back and show us and stuff, things like that. Um, and on the flip side, you also hear of others that have, you know, passed through the gang violence or something um, or have got locked up and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's really hard to when when it's time for them to go to see him go. Um but they know they always can come back and, and say hi, and we will help them in any ways that we can, for sure. But it is kind of like a cutoff point. Like, once you're out of the program, it's like, we can't give you nothing, nothing to resource and nothing. It's like, now you're kind of on your own. We can help you as just friends, but, you know, now you're kind of on your own, man. Hopefully you gain some knowledge on the things that we try to show you, and, yeah. Have there been, I'm sure there there have been, but – any that come to mind that you would consider, wow, that is a success story. For sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Jashari Davis is one. Um, she's doing amazing. Um, she's a smart young lady. You know, she graduated uh, from the school and our program. Um, she's on, I think she's uh, actually either going to, yeah, she's going to school. She's enrolled at LCC now, uh, working. And she's doing really well. Another one, Tyrese Jones, he graduated through the program, um, did really well. He didn't get his uh, – he didn't graduate from high school, although, but um, he really did really well in the program. He was a strong young man, um, and I, I think he's going to do well along the lines too. Man, just, you know, Carl Johnson, uh, Trey John uh, Floyd, uh, man, there's there's a there's, there's many. I can't. Oh man, I wish I could just sit and name. You know, there's there's quite a few though that have gone on and did really well. You know, probably these kids. You know, and those that haven't even, you know, may not have graduated through the program or whatever. But I still, they're still doing pretty good. They're still doing well. They're, they're trying their hardest, and you know, proud of these kids. Really am. 
do you see anything in common with those five or six or however many people you named as far as their traits, their mindset, et cetera? Other than determination, you know, um, and a, a, a really strong backbone, you know, they got strong backbones. Other than that, no, they all, you know, come from different type of homes, you know, um, situations. Um, and they just, you know, they're, they're individuals in their own right, you know, and, um, they were just really strong young people that really wanted the best for themselves and their families. And not to say the other ones didn't, you know, but they really put the effort and the work towards it, you know, and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is, you know, you got to put the work in, you know, if you don't want to work, it's not, nothing's going to come to you. It's not going to fall in your lap, you know, and, and they, they went after it. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how about for for you and your coworkers, colleagues, is is there uh because obviously the nature of the work you get emotionally invested in your students, do you ever feel like, you know, maybe I just shouldn't because then if something bad happens I won't feel so bad and I I can give up the good feelings when something good happens and I'll just be kind of, you know, steady on the ocean instead of all the the troughs and the waves. Yeah. It's, it would be nice to say that you could do that, you know, and, um, but it's, it's, I believe it's impossible, you know, when you get close to a person, that's why it's called personal because it's, it's within the person. It's a bond. And no matter what you do, you're going to bond with people that you surround yourself with every day or that you try to help. And, uh, you know, I feel if you're that type of person who can just like, be blank and not really you know have it put any feelings into it you're probably yeah. not working in this field <laughs> you know what i mean right like, yeah to begin yeah, with yeah you're not even here you know so um yeah everybody invests time emotion mentally physically spiritually some for others you know and um yeah it's it's nearly impossible to not um be somewhat connected to the to the individuals that you work with so when new when new people staff come on, do they do they talk to you and others and kind of say, hey, what's this like, or do they already have a pretty good idea coming in, or does that vary? It varies. It, it does. Um, I would say most that come into the field has had some experience working with youth or um, people in social work in general. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I haven't really worked with anybody that's just brand new to the whole system, you know? Yeah. Do you think more people like you that are, that are doing this? I mean, obviously they've, they've gone to school, they've had jobs some degree, but do you feel like there's any commonalities there about what drove them to get into that field of work? Mm. No. I would say there's different groups, different types, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, there's those that, um, I don't know. Yeah, I would say, okay. no, it's, it's different. Yeah, I would say it's different, you know. It, I wouldn't say there's not too many. There's, like, a certain type of people that kind of go come here, you know. But um, it's just people who all really want to help, you know. Um, yeah. They really want to try to make somewhat of a change or, you know, help inspire to do better, you know? Um, so I would say that is a, one of our commonalities is just, uh, 
the compassion to help and for okay. other people, for mankind. You know, yeah. you, you got to be compassionate to somewhat work in this field. Yeah. Right. Because it's not for the money. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, it's no definitely one, not for yeah. the money. Which yeah, is unfortunate. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, so mm-hmm. speaking of that, where is this, um, like the different programs, they, I'm saying this, I don't know for sure. Are they all government funded? Are there any like uh, nonprofit charities or churches or companies that give grants to this sort of thing? Or where does the money come from? So I'm not, I know the grants do come from uh, the city and the state. Um, However, outside grants and and funding, I'm not fully, um, you know, briefed on and and understand fully on that. But um, it is a nonprofit program where we do work with a lot of other nonprofits um, that are church affiliated um, and others, you know, social um, affiliations. So we definitely do work with a lot of other nonprofits um, and companies. Um, some companies like to uh, to donate and do things there, too. So there's, there's funding that comes from outside sources, not just governmental, for sure. But I'm not fully, yeah, I'm not fully aware on a lot of interesting stuff to talk about there, but changing gears, yeah. I'll ask a couple more questions and then whatever you want to talk about, we can go that direction. Yeah, so for sure. it's pretty well thought, at least by me, that whatever you, whatever your experience is growing up, that is, seems normal to you. So I came from a big family, so it's like, wow, everyone has got a bunch of brothers and sisters or everyone's got this or it's mm-hmm. not unusual. So in your case, having had a son, what most people would say, wow, that's really early to have a son. How has it, that yeah. relationship been as opposed to, I'm sure you have friends who had their first kid when they were 30 or 35 or even older. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I got a sister who's actually just now about to have her first child, um, like literally in weeks. We thought she was going to have it uh, possibly today, as a matter of fact. Um, so the difference is huge. Um I mean, just for myself personally, and I, I want to say for my son as well, um, just on how he possibly could have been raised and things. Because um, in that nature, I'm still learning, trying to figure out who I'm going to be while trying to show somebody else how they need to be. You know what I'm saying? And and so uh, that connection that you build, you know, you guys are kind of stumbling along the way together. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't change it. I, I, I like the way that it, it turned out. You know, my son grew up to be a great young man, graduated from high school. He's off to working in trades right now and, and got the job, stays working, stays out of trouble. So, um, awesome. But growing up with a, a young man at that age is, is it's really tough. It is, you know, because, again, like I said, you're trying to figure out who you need to be. You're not even a man yet to say 18, 19 years old, you know. Um, you, you're still a baby yourself. I, I, you know, I just, it's, it is what it is. Um, so I think when it comes into the discipline and, the um, and trying to show them how life should be, I think there's a lot of mistakes that you probably make, um, that you wouldn't make as having a later on in life, you know? Um, yeah. but at the same time, I, I tell my kid, for a sister and a friend of mine who had just had a kid, I couldn't imagine having a kid right now. 
<laughs> just just how generation and society has changed and how hard it is to to even want to put somebody in in this situation right now um with all the influences they have now so uh, on that aspect i think it's better that i had one younger um at that time because um i still had um i think i had more control of what I wanted to put in my in front of my son, you know, and what I allow him to learn and and to take in, um, rather than now, um, your kids are just getting inf- just stuff from everywhere, you know. As soon as they turn on a phone or a computer or a TV, and uh, so the influences I think are greater, they're harder um, on kids now. So, um, but then again, being an older person, you. Um, a little bit more mature, so you kind of know how to juggle those things, so you can kind of help navigate your child a little bit better in that aspect too. So it's really weird. It's a really weird concept to think of, you know, um, because you know you want to think about the age factor of raising a kid, but then again, if you bring in the years and how years change, you know, it's different raising kids in different generations as well. So um, yeah, that's it's, it's interesting, but. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I couldn't imagine having raising a kid right now. I really couldn't. It, it, it's no, no other children other than your son. No, I do have a daughter too. I have oh, okay. Daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have a daughter too. So, yeah, she's uh, she'll be eighteen, nineteen next year. So okay. So mm-hmm. they're not they're not too far apart. Nope, two years apart. Right. Mm-hmm. So did you after you had your son at that age? I mean, did you think of yourself as a dad? Compare well, I mean, you think of your dad and you go, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I'm a dad too? Or right, did it take right. a while to sink in? Uh, no, it it kicks in immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right at, as soon as he comes out, it's like, oh, man, like I'm actually a dad, dude. Like, not, I'm taking care of something else now, you know? It must come first now, you know? So that, that hits immediately. It hits hard too, you know? It's, shock, it's a shocker, you know? I think it shocks everybody when they, you know, you're bringing something else into this world, you know, everything changes, how you look at things change, you know, um, because it affects this thing, you know, 100%, you know, and so, and just on that aspect, every decision you make, it, it's just, it changes. It's not as the same as if you had to make that decision with you and solely you, you know. Again, it's not funny, but it's super interesting how, you can, I mean, you can babysit, you can have nieces and nephews yeah. and you, you sort of get a taste of it. But when someone says, Oh, it can't be that much different. Like you just said, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. different. It's a lot different, you know? And I mean, having something depend on you like that, it, it, you know, and I don't, it, it, it matured me, you know, immediately, you know? So, um, even though I was doing things I probably I shouldn't have been doing, um, it matured me in the aspect of what was important in life, you know, and and and, and taking care of that thing, you know, and put it over myself, you know. That was my main focus on everything, you know. It was like this got to be first, you know, not me. He eats first, not me, you know, um, for sure. So as the kids grow, whether you're you know a parent at eighteen or 28 or 38 or 48 mm-hmm. just another thing i find that maybe people can't appreciate is just how good it makes you feel when they accomplish 
Oh yeah. Small thing, big thing. It's it just that feeling is just unbelievable, isn't it? It is. It it is. It really is, man, to see the the happiness that they've uh passed this hurdle, you know, even if it's just <laughs> you know, learning how to bounce a ball, you know, or <laughs> how to ride a bike, you know, it's like it's the the smile, it's the cuz you know how it feels to accomplish, you know, as a person itself. So when you see something that you're raising and and you're watching it try to to develop and it finally does develop that thing is it's trying to it, it, it to see that in them it, it just breaks you, you know. It's what it's what it's about, you know. It's always what it's about, you know. Anytime you help somebody, you know, when they finally get it done, you're like, it always feels good, you know. But when it's your child, it's it's ten times greater, you know. Yeah, agreed for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's I mean, I I could ask questions all day, but is there anything in particular you wanted to to talk about, discuss, uh, pontificate on or anything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I back on society, you know, and and how, you know, if it it um has affected raising a kid and um has affected us as a, a community is is really um, interesting to me, you know, um, especially with social media and how we're so focused on, um, what's being the negative news and, and the information that's being brought to our children and just to us in general is just, is being bombarded. And it's just really interesting to me how, um, how many silos and how many people, how we broken off and, and fractured, and this was supposed to be something that was supposed to bring us together. You know, the whole purpose right. of the internet was bringing people from other areas together faster, you know, but I feel like it's doing the exact opposite, you know. Any any theories why that is? Because it certainly is the case. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I just don't think there was really any oversight on it um, to begin with or not much, you know, and it just got too overwhelming you know and, and out, of, out of control and i i don't think it's something that can reel back you know um and I, anytime there's a lack of full oversight on something as big as that it's gonna it's gonna be impactful you know and, and that goes down to even laws that we've made you know um we will put something in play but not really look at the bigger picture and how it's gonna affect and it gets out of control and we're stuck with the, with trying to clean it up, you know. Yeah. So do you do you see? I guess you could say Western society, but but maybe worldwide or whatever, moving t- to a tipping point that uh, you know it can never go back to the quote good old days, and everyone considers when they grew up the good old days. I know. Yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what do you have any? Uh, not really predictions, but where do you see things going? Man, um, that's, you know, I don't, geez, I don't know, man. You know, I, I do see things. I do see another war coming for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely see another war coming. Um, that's just almost, I feel inevitable. Um, we fight as human beings. This is something we're going to do, but, um, this internet and the, the overload of technology, I think there's it's definitely going to be a breaking point and it's going to hurt us. It's we've already had times where we've already almost wiped out mankind and 
I think we're going to have another hit with that, you know. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be due to technology, but um, it will definitely play a part in it. Um, now we got AI, you know, being introduced yeah. to this now, you know, that's the new thing. And um, once that starts coming into play and, and being more into our lives, I think things are really going to get out of control. You know, um, again, lack of oversight. You know, I think we're moving too fast and not really trying to have checks and balances for all these things that we're about to put in play. And yeah. again, it's going to get out of control. Um and yeah, I don't know. It's, there's definitely going to be a uh, a breaking point for sure, though. Any sort of like, I guess we'll choose AI that we're on it. You definitely hear the pros. You hear the cons. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's not mm -hmm. too many people. Well, I guess there's some kind of wait and seers. And then, as you said, the oversight. The question becomes: A, where does that come from? And B. Right the law of unintended consequences, which strikes literally every time someone passes a law for the good of something, they mm -hmm. said, Oh, I didn't, re I didn't really think about that. Or on the other hand, you think something bad's going to happen like a natural disaster. And then you see all of the good that can come from Talk that. So it's uh, no easy answers. What if, if you had the proverbial magic wand or were king for a day or a week or a month, do you see any uh, like common sense solutions or I mean, more radical ones or what do you, do you think about that much? That's something I wouldn't, that's a job I wouldn't want. That's for sure. Um, I wouldn't want to be the president or king of anything <laughs> um, for those reasons um, amongst others. But um, I mean, I, I, you know, it's nice to have technology and nice to make things better, but I don't think we have to have everything, you know, Everything doesn't have to be something that needs to be invented. We don't have to make things to the point we're not doing it no more ourselves, you know. And AI is going to be to the point where you don't have to get up from your couch to bring food to you no more, you know. And and you know they already got robots bringing food to at the diner, you know. And it, it's just some things just don't need to be. So I I, I do feel that. We can't say no to some of this stuff, you know, so we, and, but, um, it just, I, yeah, it's, that's a good question. It's really hard to answer, but we got to just have checks and balances, man. We got to have more people. Um, we got to have more no men, not uh, in all, all these yes men uh, for the, for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is, we got to have somebody. Yeah, it's so, it's so easy to go after the shiny, shiny new object. Mm -hmm whether yeah, Absolutely. technology or, or whatever. Hmm. And then money is evolved, of course. Yeah. Um, and so we got to get away from the, the lobbyists and, and, and things like this, these, these fundings that we're getting from um, these nefarious entities, yeah. I would say. Um, yeah. You know, we got to have checks and balances on that. So in law, you know, in laws and things got to, you know, I think we have to just start working together more. Um, and just stop, just like you said, going after the shiny first shiny thing we see, and and putting everything into it, and not really knowing um, the consequences from from that decision. Right. Because again, every choice is a brick, and that brick builds a road, and depending on that road, it's going to lead to somewhere. You know. And yeah, yeah. Do you think how big of a role do you think the parent has? 
like, I mean, if, if we could say collective parenting has on their teenagers or late teenagers, whatever age they are, that could sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know, that you would formally get together and say, hey, you know, everything starts at the local level. Hey, school board or hey, community group, let's yeah. try to slow this down. I know there's a like there's a group of I don't know if it's just moms or parents that mm-hmm. say we're not going to give our kids a cell phone until they're in eighth grade. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, uh, back in the day, they used to say it takes a village, you know, and it really does. You know, um, parents, I feel like we're more involved in their kids activities um, and their day to life things. Um, and other parents were involved in the other kids activities too. Cause back in the day when I was growing up, you know, you go down the street and you do something wrong. Miss Mary down the block sees it. She's going to get in your behind about it and then tell your mom about it. She's going to get in your behind about it. You know? So it was, you know, they, everybody knew each other and everybody worked together in raising um, the youth in the community. So I think when we get back to doing that more, um, you naturally become more invested in the school. You more invested in, um, data life activities that your kids are doing, you know more about it, you know. So, um, it really goes back to us as a community working together because everybody on the school board they are the parents, you know. So, you know, it 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 just naturally flows together, you know. So we got to get back to doing those type of things. We have to. Um, so many people want to just turn the houses into castles, literally, yeah, you know, and yeah. build these houses and moats around them and, and everybody outside of it is, got their own castle. And, and I get it. Your house is your castle. But at the same time, you guys are in the community too. You know, we got to get back to that community type um, feeling, you know, and flow. What do you think there's anything the, the common Joe and Jane and RJ can do to kind of foster that, I know, you know, walking the walk, of course, is number one. But if you were talking to a group of parents that had early to mid teenage kids, what sort of advice or counsel would you give them? Um, Really, a lot of it is what we're doing right now is talking. You know, Um, a lot of people we get again, we get stuck in our technologies. We're doing the texting and which is a form of communication, but getting together and actually having communications, you know, and not short little brief arguments through text and um, emails, you know, let's actually get together, let's sit together. Let's, let's talk it out. And, you know, I feel like a lot of these conflicts that we're having is that people don't know how to even have a conflict together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't even know how to argue no more and, and just let it be that come to a common um, agreement or a common um understanding and and go from there you know um so a lot of it is just talking not being afraid to be wrong not being afraid to get in an argument you don't have to like another person but you can respect them you know and respect builds character and and character builds the decisions that you make and decision make affect the community and so forth and so forth you know and so um, it all goes back to communication. You know, we have to start communicating much better than we have been. Um, without that, we're just going to continue to fall and, and, and crash. It is amazing how you can form 
opinions of people based on even between the difference of texting and then emailing. I mean, once you get talking to someone like this, whether you're face to face or you're actually hearing their voice and, and that, but there's a world of difference of the opinion you can form of someone and just the way people write an email. 100%. It's just, and you go, and then you meet them in person and you go, wait, you're not that person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you are literally, you could create a mask behind an email, behind a text. You can be whoever you want. You can, you know, use emojis to express a, a face that you're not even making. You know, this. you can create a whole uh, avatar. You know, these it's, it's not who you are, you know, um, and you don't really know how to see and know somebody until you're really with them. You, you read their social cues, their body language, you know, everything is an expression of who that person is. And you're not going to know that person fully unless you really talk to them and see them, you know. And so um, and I think that's why so many people like texting. They like emailing, you know, because they don't have to use and worry about those social cues and, and bringing them within people. It's sad. It really is. You know, it's understandable, but it's sad, you know. Um, and that's what I'm saying. People don't even know how to have even a simple conflict and conflicts don't have to be violent or anything. You know, it's just a disagreement anymore. You know, it's as soon as it happens, they flip out and, and they go violent, you know, because we don't even know how to even be around each other anymore. You know, it, it's, it's really weird. And that's again, it goes back to the AI thing and adding something that is literally artificial to do what we want to do. You know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's going to lead down a good road. I just really don't. We got to get back to being people and, and, and and being around each other, you know. Would you you say this is here, here's probably an impossible question to answer, but that's why Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm asking you. (laughs) <laughs> would would you say overall Facebook is a net positive or a net negative on society? It's definitely a net negative. Uh, it could have been a net positive, but it's a net negative for sure. Um, it definitely is. It, it just, it, it made people hide behind technology. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's unfortunate. It is. Yeah. It could have been good for you. It has good uses. It has good qualities, and and there's things that have been great about it. You know, so many people now can and be their own businessmen and 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 be their own bosses now, and and um, so much talent and things can be seen across the world now. Um, so, in the aspects of being and creating who you are, is it can be great. It can be a, a, a amazing, but at the same time. I think we've allowed it to um, use its negative things um, that it took over, and and it speaks, you know, and it's always the the negative thing always speaks loudest in the room, you know. It's but when you got most of that being put in front of what can be positive, then yeah, it just it's it's a, yeah, it's a net negative for sure. I wonder if have you ever heard of either a school or, or not a school, but just a course in basically literally teaching people how to, how best to use Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything. 
Do you think there's, would there be any value in that? Or would that be another case of, well, it depends who's teaching you how to use it? Yeah, uh, it definitely depends on who's teaching you how to use it. Um, I know there's like media courses and things of that nature. Um, so probably there's probably some form of uh, classes for that right now. I would I would believe so. Um, but yeah, it definitely depends on the person who's teaching and the person who's using it. You know, you can be the greatest teacher in the world and, and be teaching to a sociopath, you know, and and he's going to still use it negatively anyway, you know. Um, but I think, again, it's just the oversight we need to, we need to be able to say, you know, we can't allow this or this can't be so, or, you know, and, and so forth. And, but then people get into the laws, you know, <laughs> because of laws that we written with freedom of speech and, and freedom of expression and so forth. And which is fine too, but then there was a lack of oversight when they introduced some of these laws, you know, and so forth. So now they can use that as a way of defending what they're doing and so forth. And so you got a lot of negative and fake news and things coming out into, into the, uh, into the media and people soak it up and they use it. And, and so it's just, man, it, it just has, it just, it builds on each other. It's on top. It's like, man, you can literally see the spiraling going down while you're going down it, you know, and you're still right on the roller coaster, you know? It's crazy. I don't know who came up with the word or the term clickbait, but that's probably one of the most apropos terms mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. 99 times out of 100, nothing good comes from clicking on something that... Nothing. Some Somewhere <laughs> deep down inside, I shouldn't really click on this, but it, it looks... Yeah, that's exactly it, it right. Interesting. It could be interesting. You know, it's <laughs> and you're going to click it. You know, it's that's absolutely true, man. And... I've read something, too, that, you know, a lot of these apps and things, they actually put it in the form of clickbait and in the scrolling because it has some form of psychological um, effect, you know, oh, wow. same as casinos. It's kind of like a oh. winning effect. It's like and it builds on that, you know, it's the same thing as slot machines and so forth. Um, so it has some type of psychological um, effect to it, too, that makes you want to continue clicking. You know, so it's like, man, now you're playing with our minds, you know, and you're not trying to give us information. You're just trying to, you know, get us to keep going, you know, so it, it's crazy. It, it's wild. Oh, man. You yeah, know? even something yeah, like social media. you post something and, and you every time you get a like, it just it gives you that little adrenaline shot. It does. <laughs> it does. It really does. Now that you know, getting incentives for it for, you know getting paid and now everybody's an influencer you know which that term is just so asinine to me it is i mean like influencer what are you influencing you know it's just this is a form of celebrity now this is a form of importance in in our world now people are looking up to these people you know who are doing nothing you know and it, that that's really another thing that's just asinine to me again like I, I just can't understand it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, the idea, not, even a generation ago, that literally a 12 year old or a 14 year old could be some sort of an influencer, they would have yes. just said, you were, you're totally nuts. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I can't, you can't explain to me how a 12 year old is influencing <laughs> anything. You know what I mean? You know, it, it's, it's insane, you know? And these are the things that we're not checking. We're not, we're not 
you know, oversighting on it. And, and it's, it's turned us in, it's envious, you know, and we, and we're starting to become so vain, you know, we're worrying about how we look at it and, and it's just continuing to, to build again on this, on top of each other. And I don't see anything coming good from this in the long run, you know, and that's why I feel like it's just literally going to have a breaking point, you know? And, uh, I just, man, I don't want to be around to see it. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I see something happening personally in the next 20 years, 20 to 50 years. I do see something really tragically going yeah, because of it. Well, mm-hmm. holy smokes. Look at this. Coming up on an hour talking to you. I'll, I've got one question that occurred to me yeah. and, and you may not want to answer it or you may have not thought of it or you may think about it every day and mm-hmm. not really strictly in terms of AI, but just technology in general with your situation of the uh, being paralyzed, do you keep up with or give thought to, hey, someday they're going to do something and I'm not going to be in this wheelchair anymore? Do you ever think about that? Yes, I do. I really do. (laughs) Um, And these are the amazing things about it, you know, like, See, these are the positive things of technology and what we need to be striving for, you know, um, and putting money towards. Uh, but, yeah, I do see one day where, that we're going to be able to um, bring the connection between the spinal cord injuries back and be able to have that um, um, reconstructed so that people can walk again and, and breathe again and be able to be whole again some if some form or fashion. Um, it's already here in, in a lot of ways. Um there's been a lot of breakthroughs in, um, in forms of stem cells and um, even Elon's Musk Neuralink. You yeah, know, even yep. though that's a whole nother, um aspect to it, it still has some good qualities to it that will be used for things like that, you know. Um, I even think he even said that it was f- specifically to help things like bring back yeah, neural yep. um, I think so. connections that are, that are not, you know, firing no more. So... These are type of things that are, are are amazing, you know, with technology. And I think we need to focus on those, you know, like if you want to focus on anything, you know, um, and he even says it, you know, he speaks on AI a lot and how um, he sees it being a, a terrible thing that we're going to introduce to society. So um, I don't know. I think we're focusing on the wrong things, though. I really do. But yeah, I, I pray that I'm here on this planet to be a part of those things, those studies, those trials and stuff, and um, be able to experience it. I don't know if I will be, um, but I'm still 100% behind it. And, you know, if I could do anything to help push it or um, be a part of it, I, yeah, I would be all for it, for sure. Yeah, we really need to do things like that, for sure. Great. Well, Obviously, this you're, is amazing. Yeah, you're you're welcome uh, to come back in the future, uh, talk about whatever. But anything, yeah, until that time that you need to leave our audience with. Yeah, you know, just like I said, man, let's keep talking, let's keep uh, communicating with each other. We can't be afraid to be wrong or have a disagreement. You know, it is going to be what it is. You know, but we can all still um, live together in peace and and somewhat harmony and. Um, trying to make some positive things happen out here man let's work together yeah for real excellent thanks to rj for coming on and talking to us it's always interesting to hear from interesting people get their points of view and that is why we invite you to come back every week and listen to more and more and more 
of the right angle. That was easy.